Welcome to LilyPod episode 62. Wanting is superior to needing. Jeff and Kathy Teichert, bringing you another episode of LilyPod, a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches, authors of the Amazon bestseller Intentional Courtship, and members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. Hi, friends. Uh, We have a compelling topic today, and uh, we did a recent video on it where we had over 2,000 views in just a few hours on LilyTube. If you want to check it out, it's called Overcoming Codependent Relationships. Right. And so let's begin by, by sort of defining this term. What does codependence mean? Well, codependence... Uh, for our purposes, means excessive emotional uh, or psychological reliance on a partner. And and often that is a partner that is himself or herself needy, an addict or something like that. Not always, but but in many cases, it is that way. I think sometimes uh, we have a a need to be needed. and, And I guess that is probably the more common, you know, street variety version of, of this word. Um, Kathy, tell us how uh, codependence can interfere with relationships. Well, codependence can interfere in a lot of ways. Um, first of all, it can make it a need-based relationship where someone needs the other and then there's resentment on both sides, the person who's needy and the person who is needed. It can become parental, juvenile, you know, relationship rather than a co-partnership. And it can also still the emotional well-being of the person giving their power away. Right. In many cases, it's really bad for both people because the person who is the, the object of that codependence, who it's focused on, may feel smothered. Uh, the relationship may be overloaded and you may find a codependent person that is kind of uh, expecting that other person to accept their advice or show massive amounts of appreciation for everything that that person does for them. Especially if, well, and and I think in, in regard to the the definition, I think generally that person giving it has a motive to feel good in the right. giving and in the doing. And therefore that validation is, it's kind of like their payment. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, as I've looked back and in my first marriage, I think I had a certain amount of codependence in that relationship, maybe in some sense going both ways, but I, I think I picked someone uh, who did kind of seem to need me. And I think there was something in me that wanted to sort of be the rescuer or the hero. Um, and of course, while that seems noble, it's, it's really not. It's, <clears throat> it seems loving, but it's kind of fundamentally selfish. 
it is wanting to use that other person, as Kathy said, to get my validation, to, to feel good about myself with an external reference point. So if, if I'm able to caretake this other person, if they follow my advice, it makes me relevant. If they uh, give me lots of appreciation, then I can feel built up. I think in a funny way, that's kind of like the water that Jesus talked about when he was at Jacob's well. And he told the woman, basically, if you, if I, if you drink of this water, <clears throat> you will thirst again. But if you drink the water I give you, you will never thirst. I think that's pretty much the definition of addiction, right? right. It, it's We can never get enough of it because it's not really satisfying us. Right. And of course, the water he is giving us is real love. And codependence is a sort of addiction on another person. Right. It is an exchange of imitation love or... And examples of imitation love are things like manipulation. You know, if I can manipulate somebody into doing what I advise or what I want, uh, if I can guilt them into it, whatever technique I may use, I kind of know deep down that it's not real. But some part of me wants that so I can feel powerful. Right. And that's temporarily validating. There's a moment uh, where we do feel powerful when we have extracted imitation love from someone. You know, we, we've heard a lot, um, a man, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle, or, uh, you know, we talk about how men don't feel needed anymore because women have taken over all their roles. And while we're not intending to get into all of that in this episode, the question of, is it necessary to be needed by your partner? Is it healthy? Is it good to be? I've actually even heard some people say, oh, nowadays, you know, women make their own money and they don't need their man to, to care for them financially. And that's a problem. And that's why all this divorce is happening. That's at least that's why, I've, I, or at least what I've heard as to the why of, you know, the divorce pandemic raising. <laughs> um, but as I've thought about it, um, if they really truly want to be together, then the absence of need is not really the issue. Right. I mean, funny enough, there was an example of that in my own family where I have, I have this cousin who uh, her husband died in a, a tragedy and um, left her a relatively young widow, but he was a, a surgeon. He made a lot of money. He was very successful in his medical practice and he left her well fixed for life. So um, I've talked, I've talked to other family members sometimes about this and oh, I wish we could find a good guy for her because she's got so much to offer and so on. And one family member, anytime that comes up says, oh, she doesn't need to get married. She has plenty of money. As like a, that's the only reason that people get married. Right. Like, well, yeah, that's all. That's the only reason you get married is to. Um, to get taken care of. Get taken care of. And of course, that invites a codependent relationship. Uh, we 
overrate the idea of being needed. Really, what we most need is to be wanted, to be desired, to be chosen. And by definition, if you need someone, you can't choose them. You have no choice. You need what you need. Um, although I think there's some hope for us that might have some needs in our relationships that cannot be helped. Uh, I heard Jennifer Finlayson Fife say on a podcast recently that just because the need is there doesn't mean the wanting can't be. Um, well, so I think that what we're trying to get at here is that ideally you want to be as unneedy in the relationship as possible and unneeded like because wanting is superior to that if you can if you can help it get rid of the needs and take that pressure off the relationship and get your emotional validation from yourself and your higher power rather than putting all that pressure in on the marriage and um allow yourself to be wanted and to want your partner um now that doesn't mean we do away with all of life's complications. Sometimes those will be there, but I think we just do that as much as possible. And then if there is some needs there, then um, allow that wanting to also be there. Well, let me give an example on that. <clears throat> My grandfather in the last five years of his life was pretty, pretty disabled from the effects of age. He was quite old. And then he, um, you know, he had had some uh, dementia set in and was basically nonverbal for the last four or five years of his life. Well, my grandmother, who was not all that much younger than he was, uh, spent a lot of time taking care of him and other family members pitched in to help where they could. And so it was kind of a you know, my grandmother, of course, but it was kind of a group effort with everyone involved. And, you know, you don't, did, did he, did my grandfather need her at that point? Did he need his family to step in and take care of him? Yeah, of course he did. He absolutely needed that. Uh, he could not take care of himself. If he had been left to himself, he would have died uh, earlier. And Well, and of course our children are that way when they're young. Right. And so, but the difference that I see uh, between that situation and a codependent relationship is number one, uh, the person who is the caretaker in that kind of situation, they have to already, they, they're either getting paid or they have to already love that other person. And if they don't, it's going to be too big of a burden. So, I think that's that's an essential part of it. And then my grandparents did not have a relationship that was based on caretaking. I mean, they both had their own responsibilities as was common in their generation, but they were each contributing members of the relationship until the time came that one of them couldn't take care of himself anymore. So it became, I'm assuming Jeff, what you're saying is that it became a temporary situation. Well, yes, and, and for the rest of his life, but temporary in the span of their whole marriage. Right. And I mean, they had had a a relationship for 60 years that was much more balanced. And so uh, I think it was, you know, it was 
not easy, but it was easier for, you know, my grandmother to step in and have to take care of everything. And then with the help of other family members, because he no longer could do it. And did she still want him despite needing him? You know, did she still want him despite him needing her? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, there was a lot more to their relationship than four or five years of caretaking at the very end. Well, and that seems to be where the love comes in. Uh, and, and that's where we can check our motives when we're in a relationship that requires us to, that we are needed in to, cause I, I was just thinking today with my own children who are becoming teenagers, they need me less, but they still need me <laughs> and how much, and what are my motives? Am I, am I giving them advice and governance based on their needs or based on fulfilling something in me. Right. You know, I almost wish, or I, I think there was a wish I used to have. And I, as I mentioned, there was a fair amount of codependence in my first marriage, but there were times when we were winding down when, you know, it looked more and more inevitable, like we were going to get divorced when I had these thoughts like, oh, it's too bad that she's not in a wheelchair, then I could take care of her and she could see how much I love her. And, you know, if, if, if she were in a position of needing me, then I could really step up and be what she needed. And this divorce wouldn't be happening. Like as if that would automatically make her see you as a hero. Right. I mean, as it was without all that, <laughs> she resented needing me. She resented needing me financially as well as other other ways and you know i think as noble as it may sound to think oh i wish i could take care of this person more and be more needed by them well why would i wish on her <laughs> being crippled so that she would need me that is um you know and i can say that in in retrospect because i certainly don't feel that way anymore and and i i don't um want to base my relationship with Kathy on being needed. Um, and lucky for Jeff, I actually, I felt it was very important as a single mother because I didn't know if or when I was ever going to get remarried to become financially stable and independent on my own. Now, of course, I, you know, I had some reliance on, let's say, a former spouse with child support. And I, I actually, I, I can totally relate to that. I resent needing that. But at the same time, I tried to be home with my children more than working full time. And so I did rely on that. Um, although I'm trying to get more and more away from needing that. Um, well, because eventually that does go away. And um, what we're left with is what we create together. Um, and it's interesting when you have a yours, mine, and ours relationship financially. It, later in life, you get married and you have these separate financial lives and then you come together and you decide how much you want to throw in together and how much you want to build together. And it's like starting fresh, <laughs> like starting when you were 20, you know, a, you know, something if you had a first marriage, um, only with all this other complication on the side with children and custody and, you know, other obligations. Right. You know, I, I will be, I will freely admit that because Kathy did that um, and made a, a very diligent effort to become financially independent, 
uh, I do better, you know, I would be fine financially if I, if we weren't married, but I do better because she brought assets to the relationship. Now she does better because I bring income to the relationship, a, a significant, more significant amount. Uh, so we both do better together that way. And um, I think in general, marriage actually is good financially for most people. It, it usually means shared income and expenses, shared household, um, it it is it does make financial sense to actually be married, so we're not saying that it doesn't. Um, but you know, it's interesting. I don't think I wanted a marriage any less because I didn't need it financially. Well, in fact, and- I wanted to be able to want who I wanted and have that be the best partner for myself, rather than be a gold digger or like you know feel like somebody needs to come along and save me, like in the fairy tales. I didn't want that. Right. So that's, you know, we want to begin, I guess, at least with this idea that uh, it's better to be wanted and desired than needed. And oftentimes, as I think we've mentioned before, people can tend to resent the people they need. And, you know, your teenager will tell you all the ways that you're meeting their needs inadequately or wrong because they don't really want to need you, you know. Who do they really want to hang out with? Their friends. Why? They don't need them. Uh, And so I think when we look at how this impacts relationships, you can really overload a relationship significantly by having excessive needs and demands and expectations that you put on your partner uh, to make you happy, to keep you in the style to which you have become accustomed to validate you in any number of, of ways. Um, you know, Jeff, I was just thinking about something. I was talking with one of my coaching clients the other day, and it was about the difference between being motivated by discouragement and frustration and being motivated by desire. Right. I think when we're motivated by discouragement, we feel very needy. We, we feel like we need things. We may even pray and ask God for things in a kind of a desperate manner. And it's understandable because we go through things in which we feel very discouraged and frustrated. Uh, and then if we can somehow turn it around into desire and focus on what we do want rather than trying to avoid all the things we don't want, all of a sudden we're motivated by desire and wanting right? rather than avoiding and needing. Yeah. I, and I think uh, we've mentioned this, but codependent people kind of need to be needed. And so sometimes they select weak partners, uh, addictive partners, whatever, who need them. And I've described, I think that there was a little of that at play in my selection of my first spouse. Well, and even Um, with us, Jeff, I think there's been some codependency patterns creep back in because we both had codependent patterns in the past. And whenever that happens, we remind ourselves we're responsible for our own emotional well-being. We're not going to put that on the marriage. And I think that makes it a lot better. There's a great example of this in... The Dance of Intimacy by Harriet Lerner. And this is actually quoted 
on page 270 of Intentional Courtship, but I'll quote it here for the benefit of the audience. Susan confronted the fact that she was putting so much energy into her relationship with David, who was her husband, that she was neglecting her own work and failing to pay attention to her short and long-term career goals. On the other hand, Susan's attention to this relationship made sense because ensuring its success was her highest priority. You know that thing, no success can compensate for failure in the home? President McKay used to say that. Uh, this was her highest priority. On the other hand, focusing on a relationship at the expense of one's own goals and life plan overloads the relationship. The best way Susan could work on her relationship with David was to work on her own self. This kind of self-focus is a good rule of thumb for all of us. Oh my goodness, Jeff, you know what I just thought of? What's that? So as many of you know, if you've read the last chapter of Intentional Courtship, which is our love story, we did not date for an entire year. After several attempts at dating in 2016 and 2017, we simply did our own work on ourselves. Right. And what's funny is, if, as I've thought about it, as I've pondered, could we have done it different? I know you would have preferred that we stayed together and worked on ourselves together. But I honestly think that year was so golden for our marriage because of all the things we did that prepared us for our marriage to each other, but without each other in mind. Right. I think there was something really special and profound about us doing that very independently of each other. And now we grow together and that right. is working too. But I think that was really found a great foundation for us. You know, I think um, when we talk about codependence to, I hope this, none of this is coming across to anyone out there as condescending. We've both admitted that we have had codependent tendencies in prior relationships. Big time. In fact, the way we're talking now has taken years of self-evaluation and change. Right. And I, I honestly believe that everyone is born with a certain amount of this tendency, unless you're just a narcissist, which really, I mean, I know that term gets thrown around a lot, but there aren't that many people who could really be properly diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, so, um, unless, but unless you are one of those rare people who, who sees themselves as the center of the universe and everything, uh, it's, I think we've all got a tendency to some degree to seek validation outside of ourselves. And so this isn't suggesting that there's something wrong with you if you feel this way it's suggesting that it isn't necessarily the most healthy thing and that it requires some intention, some intentional effort to break away from that. Now, the first thing I'm going to suggest uh, to help us do that is to put our focus not on what other people think of us or whether other people appreciate us or whether other people follow our suggestions instead to focus on number one, our relationship with God and our understanding that we are his children and have divinity within us. So that's where our, our validation and our self-esteem has to begin. Well, it kind of goes back to that episode we had near the beginning of Lilypod 
on cultivating love for thyself. Right. It's a loving energy that we have access to through the spirit and by our heavenly father who has all the love we'll ever need for us that we have access to. You know, another suggestion I'm going to give, the second one is cultivate a wide circle of friends, Uh, people you can trust and count on. Um, If you're trying to, to get all of your needs met by one person, you're going to overload the relationship for sure. And by wide circle, I don't think Jeff's saying hundreds. He's saying a few very important key people that you can go to right. and not have one person be all things to you. Right. And I'm, of course, I'm not suggesting anything like having a flirtatious or romantic kind of friendship with somebody outside your marriage. Of course, I'm not saying that. I'm talking about, you know, your same-sex friends and your your uh, co-workers and other people that can play a positive role in your life. And that way, you know, you can spread around uh, your needs and desires a little bit more. Yeah, so for anyone married listening, that's good counsel for avoiding any, you know, inappropriate relationships. Uh, but we've also recently heard um, from Dr. Greg Bear that one of the best things we can do to practice real love is to practice with same-sex friends as single people too. Right. That So it becomes a good place for us to receive some good counsel when we are married, um, our same-sex friends, and when we're single to practice real love. In a, like a less threatening way sometimes than the male-female relationships go. Right. And I want to point out that what we have just described to you more in psychological terms really is the two great commandments. Uh, first, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Okay, that's the first one. We get our self-esteem, our validation primarily from our relationship to the divine, to our heavenly parents. The second one is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So it's a healthy balance. You love yourself, but you want to love others equally. You want to understand that they are also uh, just as important to their father in heaven as you are. And it's all a symbiotic relationship, truly. I think what God is really saying is as you love me, you love you. And as you love you, you love others. And as you love others, you love me. It's a big, you know, beautiful, loving circle of, you know, that loving energy that we can live in. Right. In fact, he says in a different place, inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Exactly. That's where it comes full circle from love others. And as you do so, you love me. And as you love me, you love you. And as you love you, you love others. And it just goes around and around. Right. And so we can develop a a sense of meaning and purpose in our lives, which we adopt uh, through our relationship with God and and our relationship with other loved ones. Um, You know, I'm not excluding the spouse from any of this. I mean, that's your primary relationship uh, among human beings. In fact, we believe that 
our, our loving priorities start with those closest to us and our, those closest to us would start with us, you know, because right. we are always with ourselves and then we're most with our spouse who sleeps with us generally or lives in the same house. And then our children who may be down the hall in other bedrooms and um, or, you know, if they're adult, adult children, then, you know, we reach out to them, you know, primarily because they came from us. Right. Um, but yeah, but just reach out basically from inside out. Right. And that actually is a way to overcome codependence, truly, is to start within, to get centered, to get to be in a good place of high vibration and then approach the relationship from that place. Kathy, I want to shift gears one second. Obviously, we're still on the same topic, but I want to talk about how this applies in dating, because I think oftentimes we want to get to know that other person. They're intriguing. The more we get to know them, maybe the more we like them. And there is a tendency among many to try to mold themselves to what they think the other person wants in order to be accepted. <clears throat> and Dr. Greg Bear says that that is uh, the, the, the worst thing that could happen to you when you're doing that is that you succeed because then you'll have to go on being something you're not forever after that. And, and that's exhausting and really impossible. None of us can, can keep it up forever. And so I think there is a form of codependency in thinking I am not sufficient. Uh, in order to be loved, I have to pretend to be something I'm not. And what does that reveal? It reveals a fundamental insecurity. And listen, we all have some portion of that in us. Uh, but cultivating the gifts we've talked about, the love of God and the love of our fellow man, can help to to fill us up with that love, that sense of meaning, that sense of sufficiency. And uh, of course, sufficiency through the atonement of Jesus Christ. You know, I'd, I'd kind of like to wrap up with a more practical side of what you're talking about. Uh, and we mentioned this in that YouTube video on overcoming codependent relationships, that as single people, we became really good at meeting our own needs. We became very good at the independent meeting of all the basic daily necessities of life, going to the grocery store, doing our own laundry, cleaning up after ourselves, all of that stuff. And it's funny because sometimes I talk to people who've never been through divorce, have been married for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. They're like, he does his own laundry? Like, <laughs> he, that that just is unfathomable. <laughs> um, and actually, Jeff not only does his own laundry, if I ever do the laundry, he's like, you did my laundry? Oh, thank you so much. You know, like, <laughs> um, and of course, you know, I, I really appreciate it when he does so many dishes because, you know, he was used to doing that on his own. So I have to just tell the mid-singles pe people, the mid-single people who are listening in and feeling that weight of meeting all of their own needs all by themselves and probably the needs of their children if they have them. Um, you know, there's a bonus at the end of all of this when you do find your partner who's been doing the same thing 
it actually is a lot easier to, I think, develop and cultivate a more interdependent relationship, a less codependent one, when you have gone through that, the bitterness of having to meet all your own needs all by yourself for many, many years. Right. You know, the, the dishes example got me thinking, and I, I think that's a good example to illustrate an important point about codependency. Because uh, codependence doesn't necessarily mean being unloving or unconcerned with your partner, not at all. If I'm doing the dishes and, and you've never met me and, you know, don't know anything about my relationship or me, but you just see me doing the dishes, can you automatically conclude that I am codependent? Well, no. I mean, let's suppose Kathy asked me to do them. Now, if, if I say sure and I get up and do it, uh, and in my mind there's the thought, you know, I love Kathy and I'm not really wild about doing dishes, but I want to do something nice for her so that she doesn't have to do it. And if that's my attitude, well, then that's not codependence. Codependence would be, I get up sort of resentfully and do it and feel like I don't have a choice because in order to be accepted by her, I have to do it. And, and if she doesn't say thank you, oh my goodness, we're having problems. Right. And, and then, um, hey, uh, did you see I, I cleaned up those dishes and spent extra attention on the sink and, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I... I think that illustrates the difference. You could be doing the exact same thing and it's not, I don't think codependence is so much in your deeds as in your attitude and your thoughts. Well, and I thought, I think also something else in your thoughts could be, I contribute to dishes so I can do some dishes. You know, it could even not even be about me, but hey, I want to pitch in. I want to be do my share. It can also be that. But right. yes, I do think it's a matter of checking our motivations and checking our own emotional well-being and being in charge of it for ourselves. Right. And, and that's kind of what I'm saying is that, you know, if I'm so fearful that I won't be accepted if I don't do everything Kathy wants me to do, what am I going to feel like? Am I going to feel like a husband or a hostage? And nobody wants to be a hostage. But if you are codependent, if you're very codependent, you make yourself into a hostage and you hold yourself hostage to the other person's needs and desires. And you give your power away to whatever they end up having their choices be. And, you know, I just, I want to also just mention that I recently listened to um, a book by a therapist that was recommended to me about how to influence your partner um, and to, and to do so, you know, in a healthy way. And, you know, it's funny because actually even just today I said, hey, you want to do those dishes? <laughs> and he's like, do I want to? No. I'm like, oh, shoot, I did it wrong. And then I rephrased and I said, would you please do those dishes? That would really mean so much to me. <laughs> you know, and I, how did that feel? Different. Different because really nobody wants to do the dishes. I mean, maybe there's the odd crazy person out there know, that loves putting their hands in dirty that. water, but... Yeah, sorry about that. Um, Did it feel better when I said, will you please? 
Yes. Like you had a choice to say no. You could have said no. Right. Yeah. And you know, if, if we, if we feel like we can't say no, because we're, we have to try so hard to be acceptable, who wants to live under that kind of pressure? Or we're being given demands, um, you know, by a partner who may not being careful about their wording. Right. Well, so, and then I do think appreciation is super important. Um, the, the, the book made the, the point that men want to feel like heroes. And so it's really important to make sure that, you know, cause basically if they don't want to do something and they show up and do it, they're doing it for you. And so you want to give them the heat superhero treatment, you know, like, wow, that was really great. I'm so glad I didn't have to do that. Cause I've been, you know, stressed and busy doing other things and I really appreciate it. Right. The, yeah, I, and mean, I think and we all need that. We all need appreciation. I, I'm for people expressing appreciation. What I'm not for is resenting it if someone does it. Right. And this is where without codependent patterns and the way we can be responsible, not only for our own emotional well-being, but also how we show up in the relationship, because only we can control whether we're appreciative. We can't control whether other people are. You know that um, scripture in Moroni 7 where it says that if a man um, giveth a gift or prayeth unto God and without real intent or doeth it grudgingly, it was better that he had retained the gift and it is not counted, you know, it's counted evil toward God. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, that that is instructive for us. If I really can't, without resenting it, do something Kathy asks me to do, I should say no. It's better to say no than to just do it seething. And I know that we all really hate it when someone does something for us begrudgingly. Like we would wish they wouldn't have, I think, usually. And so I think that scripture, it's one I think about a lot and one that I try to check my motives. Again, check motives and make sure that when you're doing something loving, it's really because you are loving and not because you're self-sacrificing in a way that's detrimental to you, your well-being, and then you all of a sudden have to rely on them to meet that need you didn't meet for yourself. Right. So, yeah, and that's that's what I'm trying to say with that example. I think, uh, I think that's it, that, again, illustrates that we're talking about something internal. Now, what do you do if you've had these habits for a long time of being a people pleaser and sometimes even to your own harm and detriment. Well, one thing is, is the example we talked about of fostering your relationship with God and getting your value there. And then having a wide circle of friends that you can serve and be served by and, uh, and meet your needs without smothering your primary relationship. Well, and spending more time and attention on relationships that are reciprocal and less on those that are not. Right. Intention is the key word that Kathy just said. I think we, we can only break any habit or destructive pattern using the power of intention. When the head understands the heart can follow. And so Part of the reason for doing this podcast uh, on this subject is so that the head can understand, so that hopefully you have a clearer idea about 
what thought patterns to avoid, how to shift them, how to behave relative to them, and, uh, and try to foster a, a little bit more independence and interdependence, but not codependence. And to develop in yourself more wanting and less needing. That's for sure. Remember, any time is a great time for more love in your life. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to LilyPod and get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, give us a positive review. We want to reach as many mid-singles and later married couples as possible, so please share this podcast with those you love. To access fabulous free content like written articles and YouTube videos on LilyDube, and to learn about our book Intentional Courtship and Lily Coaching Services, visit loveinlateryears.com.